Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Siri Solutions. Welcome to the first episode of the sixth series of Field Points. My name is Morgan Seger. I'm your host, and today I'll be guiding us through a conversation about drone technology. Now, drones aren't necessarily a new technology to agriculture. While this technology has been around for a while now, executing with this technology is something that Ceres is excited to bring to growers this growing season. So starting in 2023, growers will be able to have acres applied by drone with the Ceres Solutions team. Our guest for this series is Matt Mace. He has found a passion working with these drones and has invested a ton of energy into learning the ins and outs of what it will take to do aerial applications with drones. Before we dive into our conversation with Matt, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Matt Clark. My name is Matt Clark. I'm the digital technology manager here at Siri Solutions. So my day-to-day, I manage our field support team that supports all of our locations when it comes to ag technology. And then I also oversee our agronomic programs like core agronomics. Uh, A little bit of my background, I grew up uh, around Crawfordsville, Indiana. That's where I live now. And uh, prior to series, I worked for an equipment manufacturer for about four years and then uh, moved back to home and have been with series almost seven years in May. My current role technically I've been in for about a year and a half, uh, but I've always been in the precision ag department, I guess if you want to call it that. We've kind of changed our names a little bit over the few last few years, but kind of <laughs> in that same realm at least. As Siri Solutions has been working to get their drone application operation up and running, Matt Mace, our guest today, has been instrumental in getting that done. So let's meet Matt. Yeah, my name is Matt Mace. I am an agronomy business manager for Siri Solutions, and I've been with the company for 24 years, so a long time. My wife Shelly and I, we've been married for 25 years. We have two kids, and we are active in our church, North Union United Methodist Church. Big Dave Ramsey fan. Love to work on the Financial Peace University and help people with their finances. Been a trustee at our church for 10 years, and... um, Really enjoy uh, working for Ceres. Started out basically as retail branch salesperson, and I've sold seed and crop nutrients, CPP, for all that time. One of my big passions is seed, and uh, anxious to get to talk about the drones, what applications we could use those in, and how it could help Ceres and our customer base. Back in 2014, uh, Ceres did buy DJI drones for us to fly recreationally for growers in the area and wanted to see what we could see, do some picture taking and looking at crops. And uh, it really began to be a, a passion for, for me because of the level of detail we could see, make out tie lines in the field. We could see if somebody had a starter row plugged and, you know, that was at the point when it was, we need to do more than just recreationally fly and take pictures. So at that point, the FAA was still trying to, at that time, to decide what they were going to do, if we were going to register the drones or not register them, and decide we wanted to take it to the next level by getting our Part 137, which is for hire. It's not any longer for recreational, it's for hire. And uh, then you, as a pilot, you have to pass what is called the Part 107, and the Part 107 allows you to be the pilot of a drone uh, for hire. So I guess that's what I wanted to do, is to help people in more detail than just 
just flying recreationally. Part 107 was the one that you just passed, right? Uh, yeah, I passed that on Friday, thank goodness. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> a yeah, a little nervous, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been, um, gosh, I would say probably a couple of years we've been talking about it. And uh, I think that's been a place where we weren't for sure exactly how we wanted to use it, right? We've had, I had a lot of people call me over the past year saying, hey, can you fly some cover crops on a particular area for me? Or can you come out and spray this spot of weeds? Or, hey, I've had Nutrisolutions tissue sampling done, but I would like to have boron applied to this corn and couldn't really help them. You know, and I think this would be a great avenue, a way to try to fulfill a need that we've never been able to offer before. I'm really excited to see what we can do with it and where it leads. I've helped Betsy and Hannah both with the interns throughout the years doing NutriSolutions. And a lot of times on Fridays, I'll take the interns and we'll go around and look at fields and do some problem solving and, and scouting. But I think now that maybe we could eventually do this with drones and maybe help get these kids on a path for uh, if they would like to become an applicator, right? That's, that would definitely fill a need for our company. And we're not in any way trying to take away from current applicators, right? We, we need them. We love them. They help us. You know, they make us look good, right? And they're very valuable to the company. But at the same time, there are some areas that we can maybe help speed the process and spread the workload out. As Matt mentioned, these aerial applications by drone will be in addition to the ground applications that customers of Siri Solutions are already familiar with. Next, Matt walks us through how we see these two different types of application styles working together to best benefit the Siri Solutions customers. We've got a lot of different areas that we can approach this, right? We've got some acres that maybe are tough or too timely to spray with the ground application rigs right now. We've got some other areas that maybe have been troublesome to, to get to. It's out of, mm -hmm. out of the area. We've also got fields that have had maybe towers in them that aerial applicators couldn't, couldn't spray. And maybe the location, because it's next to an airport, couldn't get the aerial applicator to talk to the airport to get permission to fly there. So I think that in some ways will help us provide a service that we've had a gap there. But the need's been there, but we haven't had a way to, to do it ourselves. And we've got a lot of growers that's got their own application equipment, but sometimes they've had barriers or breakdowns or whatever that they couldn't be able to do it. Maybe we could come out and help them get through that situation. Yeah, I think that's a good good point to kind of expand mm -hmm. on some. I think you're, especially you, Matt, you're in an area that's you've had uh, <laughs> issues getting aerial application done. Yeah. And like with this summer, you know, we really want to start our focus with during mm -hmm. application being with fungicide and, and targeting that application first and then build on that. But I think Maybe you can talk about it a little bit, but mm -hmm. you guys have had extra unique challenges, if you want to call it yeah. that, in your area with uh, field size and, mm -hmm. and being able to get airplanes. And it's not that we necessarily want to replace airplanes right away, nope. but uh, we want to kind of sure. support them. Yeah, mm -hmm. be a supplement. So you can talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit, where how yeah. we want to supplement those airplanes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we love our aerial applicators too, right? We need them. They carry the bulk of the burden for us, but there's some times that we would need to spray some particular areas that are odd shape. Maybe you don't get really great coverage there. Maybe we're not getting the in rows quite as good as we could. Some of it obviously is the aerial applicators flying at 170 mile an hour and he's got to, you know, pull up and rightfully so. He's got, to, you know, he's got his own life at stake. You know, there's a lot to, a lot going there and you got a million dollar airplane or more. A lot of the technology that's there, we're able to get the 
as applied maps, which that's very good. And that is something that some of the growers have, have wanted to request. And the drones, I think, will be able to fly at a obviously slower speed, 15 mile an hour, get good coverage around the inrows. We may not necessarily have to uh, be spraying the inrows in conventionally like we've thought. Um, whenever Matt and I visited with Tony Weber in Illinois, we noticed that the drones did not turn on the end. They came to the end and then went left or right and then flew backwards because it took too long to turn on the inrows. Yeah, the drone never turns in the field. Yeah, it never turns in the field. So we didn't even realize that. And I thought it was really uh, eye-opening. I had a guy just last week ask me, he said, hey, can maybe we think we could get these drones to apply uh, cover crops on my highly erodible areas. And I thought, well, that's a great idea because one, can't carry a big payload, but I could do isolated spots that he's worried about erosion and washing and he's got his own sprayer so he can go out and terminate the cover crop whenever he feels ready but at the same time we can help him with something that maybe an aerial applicator wouldn't want to even come down and mess with yeah that's a great point point. and then the market for possible micronutrient applications uh, we see an increasing demand for high intensive management acres right so some of these acres are being tissue sampled every week. And then if the weather doesn't cooperate, you can't get in there to apply what you know needs to be applied. So at some point, I think this is going to be very reliable to come in and apply some boron whenever you need it this week. And maybe it's zinc the next week or we need to apply a gallon of calcium nitrate or whatever nutrient we can see. That's really going to allow us to be, one, take our yield levels up to an even better level, but also to be able to supply a need that we couldn't do otherwise. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, <laughs> the drone doesn't necessarily care how wet the ground is to so go out and it apply doesn't. so we can get back in there earlier right. on a lot of those applications. Another drawback, I think, for the bigger, heavier equipment is they don't like to mix a lot of different loads. Doing trials across the field is one of the worst things I try to get my applicators to do, but they... I love the information, but they hate doing it, right? So as we are able to do five acres of this treatment, maybe five acres of this treatment, I think it's it's going to allow us to sort out a very competitive space with a lot of the biologicals. You've got different brands of micronutrients. We've even got different specialty products that we may not use all the time, like KMAG or Boron or Super U or... ESN, a lot of these different products that, hey, we might be able to apply a little bit differently. It may change the whole spectrum as far as nutrition before and after the crop's planted. Trials is something I get excited about too. Yeah. I think this is going to be a big opportunity to be very flexible with the trial, but also some new ways to think of trials instead of, you know, just thinking of a traditional trial block in a field where we follow the rows. With yeah. the drone, we'll be able to put on treatments at like a 45 degree angle so that we can get different very variations across that field very easily instead of just doing a massive block. Like yeah, cross soil types. Yeah, and, and maybe even better than just a randomized set of blocks blocks. You know, if you sprayed a big X out there in the field, there's going to be no denying that the product you sprayed in this X is going to be what altered the yield, plus or minus. And as we get more and more years worth of information, we're going to be able to come to the market with confidence to our growers and say, hey, we did all these trials and this worked and this didn't. Sometimes knowing what not to do is also just as important as what to do. In order to be able to execute on these trials, the drones will be collecting as-applied data. As far as the as-applied map, probably store that data in the cloud, and that way you've got a date and timestamp with each thing and each 
product that you've been applied. If you need to recall that for a particular reason, you'll be able to print it off or email it to someone. Yeah, it all it'll all get stored in that remote controller for the mm-hmm. uh, drone and makes it very easy to get the data off. And to, yeah, to your point, like the data, it could probably be better as as applied. I've, I've heard DJI isn't always the best with, with some <laughs> of their as applied data, but uh, we're going to get a, a good enough data sets to be able to do trial work and lay out zones and things like that in the field. The drone does have a set of scales on it. So we are calculating, you know, our spray width and and how much material we're applying per acre and basically it's setting up different zones that maybe if you're flying more than one drone with a waiver of course you can hit this east quadrant of the field with one and the west quadrant of the field with another and it's keeping track on your controller where that piece of machinery is located and how soon it's going to run out and it knows that it's going to be at the other end of the field so it may not go ahead and make that pass it'll go ahead and start coming back to your takeoff point so there's not much time to uh, stop and smell the roses in order to fly the drone has to have a wireless connection the remote controller either has to have cell or connection to like a wi-fi network so you're you're able to get that data pretty easily so you you're automatically sharing to a cloud service of some kind so and all the data is loaded into you know your field boundary itself as a shape file basically it's a lot of connect the dots and depending on how that field shaped i've got a lot of fields that are shaped like my hand <laughs> so that's one of the advantages but at the same time kind of talked about advantage and disadvantages of the drone that's one of the disadvantages in my area is visibility. You've got to be able to be visibly in contact with that drone at all times. So if it goes around the neck, you need to be able to go around and kind of move with the drone as it goes. That way you can see it at all times. And set of protocols we have to follow as far as checklists and pre-flight inspections and we're going to do all that. In certain areas, you're going to have uh, authorization that's going to be needed before you fly there, make an application. So we're going to be doing those things and following the pro- proper protocols, safety. We're really excited about being able to, to offer that in some of these areas where we have it. There is a lot of behind the scenes setup and testing before you are allowed to fly a drone commercially. Matt Mace just passed his test last Friday and he shares what all it takes to become a drone pilot. I said we need to have a part 137, which that's what series is applied for. And, and that's a company license. That's, that's yeah. a company license, yeah, for a business. Each pilot that's in charge of one drone, and these licenses are set up for 55 pounds and less, but we've applied for a waiver for greater than 55 pounds, so we can fly seven or eight gallon plus the weight of the drone and the cameras and all that included to be able to apply fertilizer or fungicide or any, any type of liquid. And once you pass the part 107, you're then eligible to fly that drone in that area. So got to pass the 107, which is for federal. And then for the state of Indiana, you also need your category 11, which is, uh, I already own the core license. I passed that in my category 1A for for hire for custom uh, pesticide applicators license. But category 11 is for, to be able to spray aerial fungicides and crop nutrients by air. I've got my 107. He's got his 107. Yeah, so so I'm ahead of him on the category 11, but it was really easy to uh, sign up with Office of the Indiana State Chemist to to be able to go through their new account to make your account set up and then pay your fee to take the exam. And I was able to schedule mine for Ivy Tech South there by South of Terre Haute. Hopefully I'll pass and I've got study literature here and I'll look over that really well and once I pass that then we'll be able to be pretty good. I think we've got to look into a class two medical certificate. Yeah we have to have medical certificates as yes, well for so the that's, air, airman part of it. So Yeah and that's a little more detailed than maybe 
equivalent maybe of like your uh, class A CDL physical. Mm-hmm. Yep. So something like that, but for airmen. Yeah, and I think it's, that there's a lot of licensing that each pilot has to have, but I think we're kind of, I, I don't know if unique's the right word, but we're, we're, we're kind of set up for success because uh, like you and Josh already have your Category 1s, you already have yep. your core licensing for the state chemist, so really you just had to tack on a Category mm-hmm. 11 for the aerial and then get your drone license, so you weren't having to start from scratch Correct. like someone walking off the street. Yeah, and... Obviously, I think with that Category 11, you've got to get 20 continuing education hours for the state of Indiana. Then also, if you're 107, you've also got to be taking online courses to keep that license, and that 107 is good for two years. Lots of licenses. You know, that's a barrier to entry, right, for this product. Not everybody wants to do this. I've had people that have said, you know, hey, I'd like to really get that license too, and what steps do I need to take? And that's a good place to start. Core, Category 11, 107, and 137. Taking to the sky with drone application is going to give Siri solutions an advantage in a lot of situations. However, there are some limitations. Matt covers what those possible drawbacks are and how they're going to work around those challenges. I did mention visibility. So they talk about visual line of sight all the time. You've got to have visibility of three statute miles, according to the FAA, as far as visibility with no clouds and no fog. You've got the height limit of 400 feet above ground level so we can't fly above that obviously most of the time i think to make an application you're going to be at 10 11 feet above the crop so we're not planning on flying at 400 feet anyway but that's obviously something that we've got to watch yeah and i think most of our most of the time for the especially the application drones we won't be fighting that that height ceiling a whole lot but the reason that height ceiling there kind of causes us some other issues with you know hobbyist drone pilots Mm -hmm. and things like that so we're really relatively low to the ground most of the time with the application drones only reason i could see that you would be going a little higher is maybe to avoid a tree tree row or something like that or to avoid an obstacle of some sort so the dji tj30s they do have obstacle sensing sensors on there and that Hopefully, it's going to work really well for you. You're putting a lot of trust in them, but at the same time, you're going to be controlling it. It's going to show your speed. It's going to show your altitude and your proximity to the area around you where you're where you're flying. I just want to encourage you know a lot of the branch managers and salespeople to make sure their boundaries are correct. Not only the outer boundaries, but the inner boundaries, because you're going to have obstacles within that field. Maybe towers. Maybe you've got windmills. Maybe you've got oil pumping stations. I don't know, but. There's all kinds of things that sometimes we forget to take out of the field just for simplicity's sake because we never use it. Telephone poles, it's going to be pretty important that you take those out. It knows to fly around those because otherwise it's going to go right into them. I think one other one other challenge that we'll run into, and you can elaborate on this some more, is the the tendering process. You know, we, we talk about all the advantages <laughs> of the drones, but uh, it does only have an eight-gallon tank, the one yes. the models we have right now. So maybe you can elaborate on that a little more. It's got an eight-gallon tank. If we spray two-gallon the acre, we can do four acres per drone so if we've got two of them out there we can do eight acres and alternating fill-ups i guess if that makes sense we've kind of set lofty goals at maybe 200 250 acres a day you know maybe we might be able to do more than that in bigger fields yeah Uh, maybe less than that in some more struggling days right yep depending on how far away you are as far as moving 
mean, efficiency will be gained through Ag World and using our communication from branch to branch. We'd like to kind of work in a circle pattern and it never fails. Someone always calls you right as you pulled out of the area to do another field. And that's that's what we want to avoid mm -hmm. is that we can get people to plan with us as we work in a circle in a particular region that we can get all of those acres at that particular time while we're there and then jump to the next area. And then don't fear, we'll come back around and get you again. This is a little different too in some cases because we can't just, in every case, we can't just hop out of one field and go to one that just called in because we do have to have permission to fly in certain areas and things yeah. like that. So there's some prerequisites that we don't have with ground machines today that we'd have to get yeah. covered with these drones. Yeah. Obviously, if you're mixing different products too, you've got to clean out and different crops, different chemistries are appropriate for one crop but not another. So I think that's going to be to our advantage maybe to help with clean outs to have several different tanks that we can use. Spraying obviously the products that we're going to spray we want to make sure that one they have an aerial application label. We're going to be spraying something that's not labeled and we're going to be spraying it at the volume that is recommended on the label because the label is the law. That's very rudimentary but sometimes you go back to basics with these things and some people had used hot loads where different chemistries mixed together already pre-mixed that way you're not mixing stuff at the field. And, uh, but it's, it's different from the fact that, you know, we're used to three or 4,000 gallon tanks and now we only need 150 gallons or something to do this job. So it's, it's totally changed the need for such and such volume. And it's going to be more about precision and preciseness rather than volume and, oh, we'll get it on the next time because it's going to be really important that we don't have too much extra. To make these things efficient, it's, uh, we, we always think of the tendering process as kind of the break for a custom applicator and that's not the case case in this situation. It's more of a pit stop in NASCAR is really what the uh, tendering process looks like with the drones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you if you take a product that's being sprayed at two gallons the acre and you've got a thousand gallon tank, you've got 500 acres worth of product there. It takes a logistics kind of nightmare away from spraying a lot of different batches on different fields. Whereas now we've got a concentrated load that I don't have to move around. I come to it or maybe it is going to us, but we don't have to have the burden of such and such gallons on the trailer. So in, in a way, that's going to help efficiency dramatically. We'll swap a battery every time. Every you time. Every time you fill Yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah, it may be able to fly longer, but we're going to go ahead and have spare batteries there. They're already going to be full. If you're able to keep the batteries cool and mm -hmm. charge them with a big enough generator, you can operate all day with three batteries on a drone, two charging, one in the yeah. drone at all times. It takes some significant generation power. I think you need 10 kilowatt per drone size yeah. generator. So if you run into you need 20 kilowatt generator, which is like the size of a home backup generator. Pretty amazing and trying to prevent them overheating and yeah. all that is a big deal. And, you know, especially when you're cycling them that fast and usually when you're spraying at that time of year, it's not necessarily cool. You need shade, need some air. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Planning to operate them in, them in pairs. So we have yeah. four T30 DJI drones and we'll operate those in pairs for the most part. So the you know, you can be fairly efficient with two of them at a time. So really you think, well, four acres, that's not that much. Well, if you double it to eight, that's not bad. And you figure that every eight minutes, you're actually getting a lot of stuff done, which we're really excited about being able to do those. Because how many times have you seen a big rain event and the field's saturated, but you've got calm winds, beautiful sunshine, and you can't get out there across the field. So there's many times that I think that this is going to be a real advantage for us and an advantage for our customers because we can take care of those special times. We're going to be able to 
to apply and then other people won't. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my biggest, you know, I had a lot of people, um, maybe usually once a day, people would call me and say, hey, you know, can you come out and do this? I wish you had your license. We're excited about um, being able to help people out that way. Yeah, we will be uh, working on the roads and side ditches most of the time. So having that trailer to, to tender off of is a big safety thing. So we will have to have, uh, you know, if we operate them in pairs, like we'll have to have two licensed pilots yes. on there because each drone, the size that we have, they, they each have to have a licensed pilot with them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we needed additional help for tendering and things like that, then, you know, that person wouldn't have to be licensed necessarily. It's going to be some pre-trip scouting and that kind of thing, making sure that the map is correct and making sure that the obstacles there's no obstacles around and that we're not in a restricted airspace and so i think there'll be some things that we'll you know need to check out beforehand anyway it's kind of just like doing other uh, regular pesticide applications you have to check your drift watch or field watch to make sure that nothing else has come up recently and also doing your due diligence on the the boundary and neighbors and so on and so forth The amount and type of carrier that you're using when you're making these applications can make an impact on your overall spray efficacy by impacting things like your coverage and droplet size. This is going to work differently when you're operating lower capacity drone sprayers. So next, they walk us through what you can expect with this type of application from drones and what growers can expect when it comes to coverage. Well, mostly I I would say that we're going to have water, you know, that uh, is going to be the primary carrier. We've we've thought about top dressing wheat or something like that, but it's going to be pretty hard to treat a a very big field of wheat. It might get you by or something with a few gallon of carrier like water, but um, it's not going to be very efficient to do wheat with nitrogen. But we might be able to treat the fungicide deal that's been a deal breaker where sometimes you can't get on the field to treat the wheat right at flowering or whatever it's been very hard yeah i think that's that's you know really that's why our focus the on the entry of these is with that fungicide acre mm-hmm. and you know it, it translates very well you know you're typically spraying around two gallons an acre with that fungicide so with the t30 drones we have now we're gonna get you know four acres out of each fill up mm-hmm. so that's kind of the entry point but mm-hmm. you know as we get into these other you know zone spraying and stuff like that we may spray at a higher rate but we'll be doing that over smaller acres some of the different applicators that we talked to some of them may have changed different nozzles on different size just to make sure that your coverage more complete in the middle and on the ends as far as making each pass so your coverage is really good don't have fine droplets and it's using the it's using the propellers to help push product out to yeah. So that's that's why they can get away with not having a boom, a 30-foot boom on it yeah. as well. So those propellers are pushing product out, so you're getting an even distribution. And then one thing we noticed, too, <laughs> we want to do some testing on it is, like especially in soybeans, the way the prop wash works, it's not the same as a helicopter. If you think of a helicopter, it's straight downforce all mm-hmm. the time, so it almost like flattens what's mm-hmm. below it. And Whereas these, it's a little less downforce, and you've got all the propellers, so it more whirls yeah. down there, which is good in the canopy because then you can get some penetration down in the canopy canopy on soybeans yeah your coverage on the lower leaves has always been one of the things that even we struggle with the ground rigs is making sure we get a higher percentage of those lower leaves where your disease is going to maybe originate with septoria for example and movement of those leaves back and forth and swirled around that's really going to allow for some excellent coverage and i'm excited to see how that can do versus say 20 gallon the acre of water on the ground rig you know and that's kind of what we've noticed 
in previous tests that I've done with ground rigs, going from 15 to 20 gallon the acre doesn't sound like much, five gallon, but we increased about a half a bushel to the acre going from 15 to 20. So, and here you're going less gallons, but maybe your coverage is better with a finer droplet and getting hopefully both sides of the leaf. Yep. And I think that's going to be a big advantage with ours where we'll be able to cover both sides of the leaf. Drones will be able to drop in and spot spray areas in fields that need addressed, but you still have to identify those areas. Well, I would say that it's just like spraying the entire field. You've got to make the shape file or the boundary for that area where you want to treat. So having that mixed up and, you know, in those cases or those instances, it might be better to have unmixed chemistry on your trailer that you could mix up a little batch to go treat this area. I don't anticipate that a lot, but it definitely could be something uh, advantageous where people maybe maybe missed a skip in the field or something from previous drove wide or had, had maybe unbeknownst to them, they had a nozzle that was turned off and there was a big green strip of cereal rye still growing out there in the field. That would be something that you could go out and go ahead and knock that down because if you've got cover crop or something still alive, that affects the growth and development of that corn crop that's being raised in that particular field or the no-till beans that are in there. It, it puts them at a disadvantage growth stage-wise. I think the satellite imagery would be used in addition to to help identify an area of concern and then going out to the field and saying, okay, this is a place where the deer have bedded down out in the field, okay? Well, there's no reason to spray anything there. It's differences in the, the foliage being reflected back in the satellite picture, or maybe there's a big tile hole there that's developed in the past two months with heavy rain. So boots on the ground, making sure that the satellite imagery or even the drone footage is is verified <laughs> yeah. what you're seeing. So we don't want it to be solely relying on just these pictures we want. Yeah, I think the, the, the controller, the, the drones are kind of set up to do that. They can either, you know, go out there and draw a boundary or a zone very quickly on the controller, or you mm -hmm. could load a, a zone map ahead of time and fly yeah. the lines that way. So it's really very flexible, I think, in, in that aspect. I think it could be used too. We've noticed, and I've had people that, especially with high wind events or something, where you've had downforce winds, maybe not a tornado, but it's been enough to cause stock lodging or something, and that grower wants to have an idea of how many acres are affected. So you might be able to fly over and then estimate how many acres might be damaged, be able to send that to a crop insurance person or send that to their FSA or something like that. that might be able to be helpful to them. You have to have a boundary because the drone flies itself once you get in there. Mm -hmm. So once you determine what the boundary or zone that is going to spray in, it's going to line out its its swath patterns throughout that field. So you got to create a circle of some kind or a, a, a line of some kind, but then from that, it'll pick its own flight pattern inside that field. So it's, it is fairly smart once it gets in there. You just got to tell it where to, what your zone of operation is, essentially. And I think that's what I look forward to the most is being able to design how I want it to spray. Mm -hmm. Because we obviously, especially in more urban environments, we've got more houses around. And I think the drone could help us in those more sensitive areas to fly closer to the canopy and that are higher risk or something that's there that you don't want to be spraying next to, you can decrease your risk by flying closer. Well, maybe you've got to make more passes, but you're also got less risk 
and that happening, or maybe you're spray, uh, spraying buffer zones or something like that where we've turned off the sprayer, and I think that's going to be a big advantage to us. The Phantom 4, they've got the multi-spectral camera that we could take that image and maybe share it with the other drone in order to make the variable rate application. But, you know, the camera and the detail may be on one and then the application may be done on the other one. Yeah, the, the big drones aren't very uh, efficient at covering acres, I guess, when it comes to camera capture. And they, they don't they have cameras on them, but they're not great. Yeah. resolution they're more like a backup camera on a car yeah. Yeah. is what their purpose is so yeah. the smaller drones would be more for capturing images while the team at series solutions is focusing on those fungicide applications for this growing season there will be opportunities as the season progresses to look into things like cover crops well that customer that asked me about that i never even thought about doing it that way before he said well i don't really want the entire field he said i just need the highly erodible areas and i thought well, we can do that. We can just sit here and draw it out on the map where you want to do it, and then we'll have a number of acres, and then we'll load that shape file in there, and we'll get some small seeds and mix it together, and pour in 75 pounds, and go hit that area, and if that looks good to you, then we'll call it good. I foresee that rather than doing, you know, a 2,000-pound mini bulk of seed filling a 75-pound hopper. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the biggest limitation <laughs> yeah. with cover crop is yeah. the seeding rate and, and how mm -hmm. much, because we do actually have bigger dry hoppers than we do yeah. liquid hoppers on these but uh, mm -hmm. it's still a lot of filling if we are yeah. going to be doing a ton so you know low rate cover crops small seed and yeah small yeah. seed things like that that's where seed. it will shine but yeah maybe we do some in rows because that's where people want it and that's where a lot of the aerial applicators stay 50 to 150 feet back from the power lines and that's where you want your best compaction breaking taking place is right there i think um it can be really helpful with that a lot of times you end up with a lot of different mixes too and um, this might lend itself to that where you could maybe go mix up a little specialty mix here and then go put it on or maybe mix something else for somebody else you could kind of take those outlier mixes that the aerial applicator doesn't like changing the gate on the hopper that they're carrying or sometimes time you get it right they're done you know so you've applied three fourths of it wrong so <laughs> i guess that's that's one of the main things that i think could help fill in that gap while Series Solutions is executing with drone technology for the first time for hire this season, there's already a lot of future outlooks in the way this technology is going to evolve and change. I don't think we didn't talk about much, or we, we kind of hit on a little <laughs> bit, I guess, but uh, you mentioned that the 107 is, uh, you know, you got to stay up on your testing, and maybe you can speak a little bit to how fast this technology is changing. At the Ag Tech Expo, I think a couple of years ago in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, I was really surprised at the number of retailers there were, not only that, but the size of them keeps getting bigger. I think the Louisville Farm Show, they had some that people could ride on. I mean, yep. <laughs> this is talking about a, a helicopter or something equivalent, you know. So the resolution of the cameras are unbelievable. Talking about being able to possibly see down in the canopy, identifying populations of plants in a particular area to be able to see maybe even what species of weed it is. Uh, we've talked about burr cucumber getting over the top of corn and I flew over some last year to make sure that that's what it was. And burr cucumber, if you don't know, you pull into one corner of the field and you can harvest the whole field right as you put your head down in the corner. It just pulls it all in. It's like a big vine and it's a real tough weed. So we think that 
that could help with controlling some of those. Some of the resolution that you can see may help eventually identify southern rust from, you know, northern corn leaf blight or, you know, maybe a hybrid's tolerance versus another one's tolerance, how much better it is or what percent. You know, we've got to be able to put a, a number to these greenness values and how much is that value worth that foliage. In 2018, we had a lot of frog eye leaf spot in soybeans and, you know, it was just an incredible stink bug year. And that's what we were trying to figure out is, okay, we've got this aerial picture showing that this untreated spot is red, but how many bushels is that? And sometimes it was seven, sometimes it was 15, sometimes it was 20 bushels an acre on soybeans. It's quite the significant loss there, especially as today's soybean prices, you know, $13 a bushel, even versus six, seven or eight, there's still a lot of money that was to be saved there. So we think that that camera picture, the resolution's only going to get better, and uh, we're going to use it for scouting even more detailed in the future. As Matt shared, the resolution on these cameras is getting to a level that really will change the way we will be able to scout. So I asked him his opinion on sea and spray technology with drones. I would say it's probably not far away, but um, you talk about the level of precision that that's going to have to take. You know, um, you know, John Deere's really advanced that, and they've got some great technology, and a lot of it's in how fast you can build the software. And uh, there's not a lot of, you know, there's obviously a shortage of software builders and, and all that right now. So, and weed identification, how well is it going to be able to, to have that, you know, identification on there? So, yeah, I think another limitation is uh, when it comes to scene spray, I get that asked that question a lot. And uh, we also don't have a boom hanging out there on the drone like we do. Uh, traditional mm -hmm. sprayer um you know yeah. our drones the t30s about seven foot wide when it's unfolded and uh, it sprays up to a 30 foot swath width so uh you've got a lot of significant area out there with no boom to hang a camera on so yeah. i think camera technology is obviously going to advance to be able to probably overcome that but it's probably got another hurdle there that we don't have on the ground machines and with the cn spray weed density is also a factor if you take a very competitive weed like water hemp and how dense it is, it's not going to be turned off very often. <laughs> okay. So a lot of times if there's going to be pockets or spots in the field maybe where you could save money, but this other spot where they're just solid basically might as well be on the whole time. In other areas where maybe it's not quite infested or mare's tail was the talk, you know, 11 years ago or so during the drought year, you know, that was something that was big and no one was really even talking about water hemp then. But, you know, at that particular time, Marestead was everywhere, and now it's not even really mentioned that much anymore. So I do think that the sea and spray technology has its limitations as well. Maybe it might be um, pretty useful and pretty practical with the drone in some of the spot spraying techniques, I guess you might say. While the team at Siri Solutions is keeping an eye on the future possibilities for drones, they are really focusing on what it's going to take to execute with drones this growing season. I would say that this is our first year, so we're starting off slow. We're very excited about being able to offer this. I think we've waited a long time, and I've had a lot of growers asking me, and they're getting antsy to, to have us out. Plan with your branch managers and your retail salespeople about fields that you may want to try this on. I think basically we're going to try to start this out with fungicide uh, for, for this 2023 year. Eventually maybe looking into other micronutrients or other cover crop area seedings. Do plan with this that'll help us serve you better and the more we can plan the better we're going to do and make sure our boundaries are correct and inner boundaries outer boundaries all that so 
we can serve you the best that way the the more that you help us plan and prepare we're not going to be able to do every acre okay and we don't want to do every acre right we still need the aerial applicators to do the fields that they can but maybe we can service gap fields or maybe we can do these outlier fields that are misshapen or whatever. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like that's that was our first goal with this whole thing was mm-hmm. to prop up the aerial applicators more. Yes. To you know they've had their shortages the last couple of years sure. as well. So being able to take their inefficient fields off of their plate, mm-hmm. cover them with the drones, and let them get the broad acres faster. Yeah. Because everything has to be so timely. You've got to make sure that we're getting things done in a, in a time frame at which the product you're applying is actually going to work when you you want it to not after the infection's already taken place that's going to be very important and i think that's how we can help spread that workload out a lot of the growers have bigger equipment now they can do so much in a short period of time which means all of those acres are advancing all at the same time from start to finish there's a lot to do at tasseling time and sometimes other fields can't get done when others are being done we want to make sure we're able to service those acres as well give everybody a fair shake on those tougher acres maybe that's why we want to uh, come out and be able to offer these i think this is going to be a great service for series and our customers well that wraps up my conversation with matt mace from series solutions the passion that this group has towards using this new technology to serve a group of growers with a certain set of challenges in certain set of fields is very evident. I cannot wait to follow along this summer and see how this goes for this group. And you can play a role in their success. Like they said, one of the biggest things that they will need going into this growing season is communication so they can plan their flights accordingly. To learn more about getting your fields applied with the drones this summer, reach out to your local Series Solutions representative. Before you leave, I want to tell you about one other new technology that the Series Solutions team has recently rolled out. At Series, the team takes pride in getting to know you and working to help you. And with their newly launched online customer portal called Series Access, they can serve you better than ever. Series Access is created so customers can view and pay invoices from anywhere, quickly access their account information, and view product and pricing information all in one place. Sign up for Series Access at series.coop forward slash bill dash pay. The show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop. That's C-E-R-E-S dot C-O-O-P. If you enjoyed this deeper dive, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast, and we are so thankful for that.